All right. It is October 8th, the day before Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, for those of you who missed out last night's discussion, we were talking about fascism and we were talking about Columbus Day. And we spoke about why these conversations are absolutely necessary, especially amongst black and brown people. Because you see, what part of the issue is here is that it seems to some as though we, black and brown people, have no interest, have no vested interest in our own community. And also that we are okay with certain things. We're seeing more and more black leaders coming forward, particularly as celebrities, you know, and people who are well recognized and respected coming forward with their political opinion. But some of the stuff that's coming out may not necessarily be to our benefit. So, you know, I say that to say you have Ice Cube, Kanye West coming out as devout Republicans, so it seems, and calling to attention to this rising group. And actually, the um, continual inflation of fascism. So yesterday, we spoke on why this is necessary uh, for us to talk about these things, because this is a problem. This is a big problem. And it's not going to get solved if we as black and brown people don't say something, don't address it, don't see the need for it to be addressed. CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. So we left off yesterday. Um, our slogan for yesterday's pod was, maybe they're born with it, maybe it's fascism, right? And so tonight we're going to continue. This is part two of that. And so we're saying maybe they're born with it or maybe they're introduced to it. Because you see, this rise of fascism, it's very, very harmful, particularly to black and brown communities. I mean, we have some people who are capitalism and they look like us. This is dangerous, right? And it's like I'm saying, it's really important for people to realize, especially those of us, you know, black and brown people, it's important for us to acknowledge this. Fascism, words like fascism, conservativeness, you know, all of that. We need to talk about it. So Manny, last night you started the conversation. We said, maybe they're born into it. Maybe it's fascism. And you asked the question, but what about if they're introduced to it? You want to say a little bit? Of yeah. So we talked about how, you know, if you're born here in this country, you're introduced to this system that's already uh, oppressive by nature, right? We talked about that. You're born into it. It's fascism, uh, three-fifths. Um, eloquently put it, right? It's, it's a combination of both. But, but what we have to keep in mind, right, is for all those citizens, uh, I'm going to call it citizens, you know, instead of how they're coined, right, aliens or these undocumented immigrants, right? Either way, they're citizens of this country. So when they're coming, right, from these different countries, and mind you, they come with this idea that here they're coming to the United States, which is a country that is supposed to, you know, be pretty much the, the dreamland for them, right? It's a land of opportunities. It's a land for them to have, you know, jobs and a better life and everything, right? Um, and 
So they come here with this expectation, right? And they're introduced to a system that does not work that way at all, right? They're introduced to a capitalist society, right? Uh, as we, as again, we said yesterday, how does that capitalist society work? It's oppressive, it's controlling, it's limiting. It keeps you in those subcategories of economic classes, right? And so here they come and they want to create a life for themselves. Now, whatever economic system was going on in their country, right? They're expecting for ours to be 10 times better, right? And they come here and then they realize, one, they have to already deal with the fact that they're under oppression by being, right? Coined the term aliens and undocumented immigrants. And so they arrive here already facing oppression because they don't have the same rights as you and me, right? Who are U.S. citizens, right? But then they go, they try and enter the workforce, right? The labor force. And they're paid extremely, extremely below living wage, right? Um, and doing twice as much as the labor, okay? Um, then, you know, told majority of the time that they should be grateful for it, right? Oh, you're an undocumented immigrant. You should be grateful that you even have a job, right? And and so, again, here we see that capitalist oppression, right? Of let's keep them in this class, right? As is, we're not affording them the same rights as everyone else. Okay, we're already treating them as inferior, right, and as other. But now let's also keep them in that place. Let's keep them from ever being able to elevate by putting these limitations and restrictions on their salary, on the jobs that are available to them, right? So that's what I was saying, right? Like, yeah, we can, we, let's think about the people who are born here, right? And how I said, you know, you're born somewhere along that ladder. But when you come here, right? First of all, it's figuring out where do you even fit on the ladder if even you're on it, right? That That's interesting because I was just now listening to Malcolm X speak on, you know, those who boast about being the only one in the room, the only black or brown one in the room, that Uncle Sam, that Sambo, see? So I feel like what you're saying is true, but there's another piece to this. There's those who come across and then they see this version of America and they say, wow, for me to survive here, I have to conform to this. Three-fifths. Hello? We can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay, because it looks like I'm having trouble again. Uh, repeat what you said, because it, it went out. So I was saying that, you know, Manny's talking about, you know, immigrants coming here and those who come across to America seeing this side of America that's not so great, right? But then also there's this side where they come here and they see this Darwinism, this capitalism, and they decide they have to conform to that in order to survive. And then I was sharing that earlier, right before we got on, I was watching Malcolm X speak on, 
you know, those of us who boast about being the only ones in the white rooms. So I was asking, what do you somewhat true you know it it, it, it is it is it it, it 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 all goes back to indoctrination immigrants and, and and i don't like you know we'll say immigrants those that come here whether they come so-called i don't believe in a legal term but you want to say they come illegal or whatever but let's say those that come through the process they 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 feed they feed into the american dream that's what they're told and they'll see that in the American dream, yeah, I can make a better living somewhat over here. And that's what also fuels in their minds, too. See, Maddie said most of the stuff. That's why, like, I sit back and I listen. And he, he's right, you know. They, they see it. They're told, you know, that you know you should be grateful to have a job. You know, I, I, I have relatives. My in-laws are from the island. And they're told the first thing, you know, they come over here, come out their mouth, you know, what's the problem over here? You know, you, you know American people, they must don't want to work. You know, but see, we see that we were supposed to get what we were supposed to get. I, I saw a thing the other night. A lot of the a lot of Cesar Chavez that had the United Farm Workers Union, he tried to tell them unionization is the problem. A lot of people that come over here, immigrants, they don't believe in unions. That's why they they'll work for anything, unfortunately. That's crazy. I was also reading an article. It's uh published in the conversation. That's the name of the journal. And the headline is, why do some people think fascism is the greatest expression of democracy? Whoever wants to attack that one first. Is that possible for fascism to be an expression of They're getting crumbs. That's what it is. They feed you the crumbs. So instead of you getting the whole pie, you feel, well, I, I've got enough here. I'll sustain myself. So I'll go along with the ideology. You know, it, it, it's funny because you ever see some of the white supremacists that wear the Nazi gear and, and they, they, you know, they had their swastika on and they were all this stuff. I put on Facebook one time, I saw a guy who had a swastika hat on. The difference of it is they would have threw his ass in the oven too because he's not Aryan. See, he wasn't what Hitler said, blonde hair, blue eyes. So all these people running around like that, they would have thrown their behinds in it too, you know. Fascism, unfortunately, is on the rise. It's the younger ones that are uh, like actually feeding it, that's starting to, to feed it. If you notice now, look at Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh, the average I call him terrorist, white supremacist. The average uh, uh, supremacist is actually young men. Look, look at look at look at the tiki the tiki torches. Those those they were like young. Some of them were Manny's age. What's the guy Daylon Root that pulled the gun and shot the kid, the rifle at the, at the protest? He was young. Right. Right. Manny, what you thinking over there? Right. So, you know, first of all, that that statement, right, fascism being that that itself. I mean, I was ready to throw my phone out the window when I heard it, you know, because I, I, just, I don't understand, you know, how can someone sit there and rationalize? you know it's i mean it's not rational but in their you know minds it is right sit there and try and rationalize the fact that fascism could be even considered a democracy right and and and, and this is why right like like Dreyfus said right it's like okay maybe you'll have a bit of crumbs of democracy but 
but no, the the whole ruling itself, the way that everything will work, it's not democracy. And, and so, like my question to them would be, like, in what ways do you even see fascism resembling a form of democracy? Because it doesn't. It just doesn't, right? I mean, geez, like in my mind, you know what what comes to my mind if I'm being honest is like, well, if if fascism is a form of democracy, you know, in any way, shape, or or form, well, then um, uh, why in the world did we and the world, right, not just the United States, but other countries, decide that we we're just gonna, you know, fight toe to toe with Hitler and the Nazis and Benito Mussolini and let me help you, know, you out, Maddie. Let, let me help you out. Let me help you out. If fascism is democracy then fucking Krusty the Clown could be the president of the United States. How about that? Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> you, know, you know one thing? You, you know one thing? That's why Captain America, the, 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 the hero, was based on anti-fascism. Antifa is actually, if you go to the history, Antifa's been around since the 40s. They, they fought and they fought against uh, fascism. Come on now, Ed. Educa educate these young people. Talk to them. Captain America, when he was made, the original one, if you get the if you get the Captain America from the 40s, the, the, the cartoon you look at it, that was based on the Red Skull. The Red Skull was part of the part of the Hitler group. But you know, they, they fought the Captain America was the poster to fight fascism. So was Antifa back in the 40s. The Antifa you had now is a little different, but the, the original one back during the 40s was against was against fascism. That was the fight. So it wouldn't spread. So see, here's the thing. Look at that, right? Now, here's what I love that we're doing. We're proven because this is possible for black and brown people to talk about these things, and it's important. But look at how he broke that down. Cartoons, even. So where is that fight now, Manny? Yeah, no, I mean, you you absolutely still very much see, you know, these references and these creations to still, you know, establish and represent, you know, uh, a lot of these concepts and, and even, you know, these wars. I mean, there's very much still propaganda to this day, you know, they've just made it contemporary, very modern, you know, so... We, we look how propaganda was, you know, in the 40s and the 50s and 30s. And, you know, the posters and the cartoons, right? The little comic strips. And we're like, oh, yeah, no, I, it's so blatant that that was propaganda for such and such, you know, thing for that war or this. And, but it's still very much happening today. I mean, it's, it's modernized, right? You see on social media, you see it through the advertisements, right? Um, you see it through... A lot of the like, oh, petition this and sign on to this, and uh, even when people are there on the on the tables, right, and passing out flyers. I mean, it's still very much around, right? When you talk about, you know, um, a lot of these concepts, like oh, fighting fascism and fight, and now, well, now it's become, you know, the uh, a socialist, right, and, and and liberals, and then the extreme right wing, right. That's kind of now been a lot of the push when it comes to, you know, these advertising and the flyers and the social media, right? Um, but, you know, propaganda is still very much present today, right? 
So it, it didn't go anywhere. It's not like it was there in the 40s and 50s, right, against fascism. And, you know, yeah, Captain America and the Red Skull. I love that Three-Fifths brought that up. So very true. Now, you know, now it it's taken on a different form, but it's still very much the same concept. Yes, and it's more dangerous now, I dare say. Would you agree or disagree with that, Three-Fifths? Almost definitely. It is more dangerous because of and one of the main things that they like, uh, um, Manny said, technology is, is the biggest propaganda that they can use now in this century. You know, a lot of people don't know about propaganda. If you study Sigmund Freud's nephew, he was a propagandist. In fact, the cigarette company hired him to get the women, you might remember the brand called Virginia Slims. They made him sell the propaganda, and that's how women started smoking cigarettes. It was marketed to him, that particular cigarette. Yeah, pro propaganda. What did they do during World War II and other places? They would drop uh, leaflets from planes. They would, they would drop it down to the ground so the people not on the ground. That's a hell of a thing. And, and they marketed to us so easily, right? Because pain appeals to whites and to black and brown people. Isn't that something? Pain, that type of pain. So when we see the propaganda, there's always an element of pain there, right? Look at all the propaganda that came forward when we have and had black and brown legislators. You know, one of the things I was um, looking at today was an older um, show I'd watched before, a little interview. And one of the things that was said was, you know, Obama kind of had a burden on his shoulder of completing a task that was expected of him, but near impossible, which was to give reparations. What do y'all think about that? Well, Obama, Obama, Obama has some tricks up his sleeves too, but uh, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> I just look at it, like I said, the government, just, just say the government, you know, those, the, 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 the puppet masters who are behind the Obamas, the uh, the Bidens, even even the Trumps, that that's who that's who's in control. You know, that, that's who's in control. What you have to say on that, Manny? Because I know you have something to say. <laughs> you know, we, we, oh, we call it the shadow government, the shadow government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so listen, you know, okay, I agree with the fact that I think. You know, when Obama took office, right, and, and, and again, a milestone because it was the first African-American man to reach presidency, right? Amazing. It was an amazing accolade. But you're right. I, I think, you know, with the, the entire black and brown population, I think when they saw that this man has, you know, reached a presidency, they all kind of had this expectation that he would deliver, you know, reparations, Right. And like kind of kind of almost as if it was his obligation to do so. Right. And and yet, you know, it's like, OK, you, you I feel like people have to understand that he's already inheriting a whole lot, you know, from his predecessors, you know, whatever's going on, you know, in the country at the time in the world. And so for him to single handedly be the individual. Right, just because he's an African American male, you know, in the office of presidency, 
for him to single-handedly have to, you know, be the one to deliver reparations. I mean, that, that was, that's too huge for any one individual to be tasked with. Right. And, and so I, I dare say that it's, it's unfair to him, right. To have had that expectation put upon him, right. Even if it wasn't explicit, right. If it wasn't on the news or we're talking about that was expectation of him. Um, so I, I agree with, you know, well, three fifths said it was, I mean, it's inheriting a lot already, right? And that's for any president, you already inherit a lot. Then we saw, you know, 2008, you know, you know stock market crash, right? the economy, you know, just went haywire. You had, you know, Osama bin Laden not far after. I mean, yeah, it's like a lot, a lot, a lot happened. And so for people to have still had, you know, the expectation of, you're supposed to do this because such, 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 and such. Yeah, I, I, yeah, again, I dare say that it's unfair to him. Yeah, I mean, this rise of fascism is very concerning. Now, here we are, 2023, and tomorrow, you know, some people are still recognizing Columbus Day. We started talking about it yesterday, but I feel like, you know, given that we're talking about immigration, how do you all feel about this statement? Italian Americans need to let go of Columbus. Not, not just Italian Americans, people period. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen, look, look, at, look at the New Haven St. Patrick's Day Parade. How many black and brown people you see with shamrocks on and dressing in green, but afraid to dress in their own culture, their, their own clothes, especially black people, and I must say, Yes, facts. It's true. Look at even like the Puerto Rican Day Parade, the West Indian Day Parade. Who gets shoved out? What's your thought? Uh, repeat the same again. We're talking about, you know, these parades, like he pointed out with, um, what's the one you just pointed out there, three-fifths? It just, the Irish American Parade? I just said that wrong, I think. Yeah. With the red, black, and green flag of Marcus Garvey. Right. You ever see the parade? They're afraid. I, at least with the Puerto Rican Day Parade, they don't have the black Puerto Rican flag, which is the revolutionary part of the component. And they'll have their flag. But my people, they're scared, of, they're scared to put a red, black, and green flag on. Afraid. <laughs> I don't bring that flag with me. Don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're we're afraid to lift up our culture. Right, because even in terms of these parades, why do our events always have to be somewhere that's camera and police heavy? Please, somebody, what am I? Hey, you even got us in New York, the West Bay Parade, you got police, white police dancing in the parade. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, nobody finds this weird. Like, to me, these are all indicators of the normalization of fascism. What are y'all thoughts on that? No question. Control the masses. I definitely agree. Look at it too. The Supreme Court is a fascist court. It's a it's a right wing fascist court. Again, I stayed up a little bit last night just going over the, the docket with the Supreme Court. 
Oh, they got some stuff coming down the tubes. Down the tubes. We better wake up. <laughs> we best to wake up. You see that doctor that's cut? Oh. Mm. No, we need to wake up. Manny, what's your thoughts on I completely agree with what three fifths and right. Uh, especially, especially when we're talking about the Supreme Court. If they have demonstrated nothing else to, uh, to the public, right, to all of us, is that they, with full intent, and, and, and it seems with full speed, right, as quickly as they possibly could, you know, have absolutely spread and fulfilled their conservative beliefs, right? And again, and we're not talking, it's, we're not talking like this is a, a court in a state, right? In a city that's like, it only affects the people in the state. No, they, this is on the national level that they accomplished the conservative beliefs and missions and, go, you know, the goals of the party, right? They, they overturned Roe v. Wade. They got rid of affirmative action. These are things that took decades, decades to achieve. People's lives were lost in the fight to gain these things. And it seemed like within months, it was just gone. Uh, just gone. It felt like it was seconds, right? Like, just like that, poof. Yeah. Right? Like, it was just yeah, there. We, we and in fact, on the news. Right. We heard about the news, you know, one day, like, oh, this is, up, you know, coming before the court. And it was like, as, as quick as, you know, that announcement came, it was as quick as it was saying the court overturned it, the court got rid of it, and that was it. It was just done. They absolutely are. They are absolutely turning over. So Manny, on behalf of Gen Z, tell us why we should be canceling. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. You're going to get my blood pressure up again, CJ. Hey. You, gotta, you, gotta, <laughs> you know, you and your bestie Columbus, you to give me a heart Listen, attack. Listen, don't let me tell but, uh, everybody about that portrait you have of him and you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, listen, people, it's, it's as simple and plain as this, right? This man, Christopher Columbus, who we've, you know, praised as a hero for a God as long as any of us can remember, right? He is a mass murderer. He is a terrorist. He is a colonizer. He is someone who paraded dead bodies around the city to instill fear and, and to control the masses so that they won't rebel against him. He is someone who honestly was just a tool for, you know, the king and queen of, of Spain, right? For them to gain more prosperity and, and lands. Why is this man regarded and praised as a hero? Nothing that this man has done, I mean absolutely nothing, is heroic about him. Why do we have a national holiday celebrating him? 
statues commemorating him. Why? Why? Why would you do that? It's just it's not something that we do for any other mass murderer in history. Why? Why? You know, we don't have、uh, statues of Hitler being erected and, and people defending. Oh no, no, keep keep Hitler up. Keep, you know, he was a great hero. No, no, because we know he wasn't. And listen, the facts are there. This isn't like this is an opinion thing. We know what Columbus did. It's just historical facts. You can't argue against it. So why are we celebrating the man and regarding him as a hero? The same reason—the、really、same reason why Donald Trump walking free, the same reason oh, why oh. Ron DeSantis gets support—it's all the same reason, right? Because you see, these people need to hold on to power and control, and what needs to happen is—is is the white allies who actually give a fuck and mean it, the ones who actually want to put meaning behind that. They need to push back and they need to do their part and remove the toxicity. That's my opinion. Manny, what you think? What needs to happen holistically? Like who needs to do what? Because I feel like you know this woke shit. Remember a couple nights ago we were talking about that woke nonsense, right? All right, okay, all right. You'll wake up. Then fucking act. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Um, you know, honestly, it's like I I really am perplexed when you know um. A certain demographic of people say that Christopher Columbus is a hero for them, and is you know、um, someone from their heritage, whatever that that you know they admire. And it's like,、oh, why can't we pick a million and other one, you know, truly, truly amazing people who have done amazing things of your heritage, right? And and celebrate them. That's absolutely okay. You know, it's perfect. Let's commemorate them. But this man, why? And so yeah. So I say, you know, let's again, let's keep enforcing the the truth because it's not even like it's an opinion. Let's keep enforcing the truth about this man, right? And and shifting that narrative of him being a hero because he isn't and he never was, right? So. Yes, as black and brown people, that's you know, but very much it's you know our our Caucasian population, right? If you need to sit there and do the research on this man and find the historical facts, do it, please, please do it. Or if you don't want to, talk to someone who knows, you know, the actual history of Columbus and have a conversation with them. Any questions you have about him, whatever, do it, because you'll find out very much like the rest of us found out. He was never a hero, so yeah. So we have to start changing the narrative. We we certainly do. We have to keep enforcing the truth, right?、Um, and again, and providing. I think what it is is、uh, for the Italian Americans of this country, right?、Um, we we need to just like a lot of the black and brown population, right? We don't know a lot of our own heroes that have been throughout history. Right, so I think I think it's educating even them, right, about a lot of Italian heroes that really have done amazing things in the world, right. And then go ahead, listen, 
let's let's put up a statue of one of them. Let's make a holiday for one of them, right? You'll be surprised what so many of them did, just as black and brown people are often surprised when we learn about our own history and figures in our own history, right? So I, I think that's something that we should really do, right? Is is change that narrative, get him out of there, right? And find someone else who is far times, you know, a million times much more likely, uh, and and uh, deserving, really deserving, to be praised as an Italian uh, hero. Well, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a European, a white European either, right? We could start praising our black and brown heroes, our indigenous heroes, right? You know, people forget right across from New Haven City Hall, the indigenous man, Naupol Pok, when he was beheaded, his head was put on display right there for people to look at. That's a fact that happened right here in New Haven, Connecticut. There's a reason why people talk about Yale and its you know, affiliation with slavery. Yale owes New Haven child support. What the fuck? right? We need to challenge these things. But amongst ourselves, we need to get uncomfortable. We need to build back that vibe. Right now, we should have the energy of the 60s, in my opinion, at the very, very least. What are y'all thinking? What do you feel like should be happening right now within? We have the blueprints here. Our ancestors of the 60s left the blueprints. The problem of it is, is the leadership, again, they don't want to use those blueprints. They, uh, they, they just don't want to use them. Bobby left it, Malcolm left it, Hubert Harrison left it. The, 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 the blueprints are there, you know? Mega Evers left it, Cesar Chavez left it, yeah. Abisos Campos left it, <laughs> Melita LeBron. They left, if the government acts up, what to do, but still, the blueprints are there. It's just that we don't want to use them. Right? We don't want to use them. We celebrate, you know, because we have a black face or Latino face in high places. That's not helping us. I told a guy the other day, I said, ask some of the people that work for those so-called black and Latino in high places how they treat the workers, especially their own. Ain't the one in City Hall? Listen, some of us get a little title, a little, little title. That's all it takes sometimes, you know. You're not making even livable wages, but your ass feel like you in it to win it because they gave your ass, they moved you from the field to the house, and you boasting about that. That's that bull sh- All you have to do is learn Spanish. That's what that's what a reference is. Because the, the instructors, they speak Spanish. They speak English, my understanding is, but they prefer to speak Spanish. Now, when you come out of the Cuban medical school, you're bilingual. Fidel Castro was the man. <laughs> he was smart. That's right. You come out of the Cuban medical school, you're bilingual. I'm glad you're bringing that up because, you know, we have this bullshit reemerging again where there's attempts to divide black and brown communities. And we need to remember um, we're stronger together. And the rapport between us and Cuba is a 
definite example of that. Which yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense for a fascist system, a conservative system, a capitalist system. It makes sense for white supremacy to create and promote a divide between black and brown people. In my opinion, what about you, man? No, listen, you know, I, I, as I always advocate for and I always emphasize is that there needs to be unity amongst black and brown people, right? Because um, as you said, there's already so much division and there's so many more attempts to create and sustain the division uh, more and more and longer and longer, right? And it's just the truth. It's just the truth of it. So, yes, there needs there needs to be a unity uh, and a support, a support system, right? Established and sustained by us and for us, right? Because as I've said many times in other episodes, too often do we see each other, right? By other black and brown people try and tear each other down, right? And not support each other's aspirations and, and uh, accomplishments, right and ideas and opinions and stances it's just torn down left and right and it's like how how do we advance how do we continue to you know uh, evolve and and gain so many more beneficial things for us right if we will literally sit here hear another black or brown person have an aspiration right or or they say they're doing something and we sit there and we say what are you doing don't do that you you can't do that you know you won't make it that's not for you that's for someone else right get out of that field go into sports instead go into why are we doing that right you know manny and, and again, you know manny i gotta tell you you almost sound like i don't know a young person and i don't know it's Almost like that happens a lot. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it, it only happens uh, like all the years I've been doing this, <laughs> right? And even before, even when I said, you know, when I was younger and I said, listen, you know, politics is something I want to go into. I want to be a legislator. And my gosh, people, again, who look like me and you looked at me and said, are you absolutely crazy? Are you serious? Some people even laughed. They thought I was joking. And and, they, and I would you know, sit there so confused. I'd be like, why why do you think I'm joking? And they say, oh, no. A politics ain't for us. Like, you can never be a politician. Like, poli that, and that's that bullshit. Because before you could even attempt to, you know, to make an attempt, how do they even know that you're going to fail? How do they know what you're going to do? They don't know that. But you see, that's what we do because some of us, like I see that a lot in the Ville. I live in New Hallville. That's a part of Connecticut, right? For those who aren't familiar with the area, it's a part of New Haven, Connecticut. And I'm seeing a lot of that happening. We have, you know, people who look like us and claim to care about others like us. But yet they're not pushing for that change as I would expect them to. That's just my opinion.
How do you feel about that, Manny? Do you feel like we have black and brown leadership? I mean, and we're just going to give it a number. Do you, what percentage of our black and brown leadership right now do you feel and see are really pushing for that change? I'll say my number is probably like about 35%, and I'm being, I'm being um, generous. I would say really 3%. And I would see, now you talk good black and Latino leaders, when the other blacks and Latinos turn on them. That's how you tell with leadership. When you see the whole like black and Latino caucus turn on that individual, then you know I'm sticking with that individual. That's a serious statement right there. Manny, I know you have something to say. They'll tell them, yeah, they'll tell them you know what? Uh, uh, you know, you messing stuff up. You know? Come on and get this pie. Yeah, no, I, I see 35%. That's, you said that's a little generous. I said that's a lot generous. Uh, I would say anywhere between 15 to 20%. I'm in a good mood. I'm, talking, I, I'm in a good mood. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. The I, Lord. I'm talking about. It's a yeah, that me 15 20 percent me being generous, right? And that's on a national scale. I'm talking about 15 20 percent of the nation, you know, uh, black and brown representation, like leaders actually, like actually doing actions and fighting, you know, for us to to advance forward. Yeah, 15 20 percent, you know, on a good day and in a good month and a good legislative session, right? But yeah, no, no, no more than that. No, and they should be pushing for more because the thing about it is, like this last legislative session, I saw some or people who we well respected who, you know, when the white man call on you, you jump, you say how high. But when we say, look, bro, here's what's happening in my hood, where you at? We have some people who live right where the shit is happening. We need you all to step up. But you know what's pissing me off, too, as we're in this conversation about New Haven? The fact that Tom Goldenberg is still parading around with a group of black and brown people following him. I'm going to just leave the mic open. Who are <laughs> well, like I said, Mr. Goldenberg, what is it to say? He, he can parade all he wants. It's over with. It's over. He, he can parade all he wants and stuff. I mean, if you see that picture of him with the blacks in the knickerbockers, even if every, those 20 people that were there voted for him, that's still not enough. But again, it's the educated, those people in that knickerbocker club, they're uneducated. You know, they're uneducated. What's your thoughts on that, Manny? Is that what it you know, when I when I think about you know the fact that um, so many of our black and brown neighbors, right, um, friends and family, uh, decide that they want to get behind someone, um, I, I just I always have to whether the Republican whether it's independent whether it's Democrat whatever party it is I always just I want to question them and say why like what about the candidate do you really believe you know is is actually going to be beneficial for you 
that's, that's all I want to know, right? It's, it's, if you're willing, but do to you feel like right there, now people are really asking them that themselves that question? No, because no. I feel like if they were, um, some of these roles would look differently, right? Like we can't keep complaining about the problem, and we can't keep expecting solutions from people who don't look like us. That's just my philosophy. But also, like Malcolm said, an issue is is that some of us get up there with the whites and we boast about that instead of making it an opportunity to lift more of us. Oh my gosh, You're, you hit the nail on the head with that one, right? It's like we, for for those of us in the black brown population who actually end up making it to those leadership positions, right? And and yes, you know, accomplishment, great, yeah, because all the odds are, are you know already stacked stacked against us. But then you get there, and it's like, okay, what are you doing to get more to where you are, right? And and that's always been my thing. It's how are you going to come from an inner city, from a, a you know a, a poverty stricken community, right? You get there to the to the position, and and you go ahead and you spread your success story and how hard it was and everything, and then you just sit there, you stay there, and it's like, okay, well, what about the many others who were like you, right? Who had dreams of, of being a leader and all that stuff, whatever. And have very much have a difficult path ahead of them, but could be so much more helpful if they had you, right? Helping them along the way and making it just a little bit easier at the very least. But no, no, we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that at all. And that's very scary because this fascism that is increasing by the minute, right? Because as I started off this episode saying, what's more dangerous is we're seeing more and more celebrities and people who are well-respected in black and brown communities stepping into these um, you know, spaces. Like right in Hamden, you had a black Democrat running for mayor, but he's really being supported by Republicans. What's wrong with that picture? I see a lot wrong with that picture, do you? I feel like, you know, we have normalized our tokenization. We have normalized the white supremacy. And, you know, now we're normalizing the fascism. And really the only way to change it is when we challenge it. And we must and have to do that. Well, we, we should. But again, it goes back to the masses. The masses are not going to challenge because of what's going up in them, the crumbs. If you just, what did, what did Marcus Garvey say? We, we, we cannot accept charity, keep accepting charity from whites. As long as that charity's coming in, they're not going to say anything. They're not going to say anything. As I said before, I don't go up to Hartford. Why? Because I have elected officials that's supposed to go up there. You get gas mileage, I don't. As you said, the price of gas. But you're supposed to go up there and represent and then hold a town hall meeting, come back here, and tell the people, this is what's going on. How do you want me to vote on this? Well, that's what I'm saying, you know. I, I like that you brought that up, um, Three Fifths, because for me, you know, I don't want to put lipstick on the pig. When, you know, during the legislative session, all that showing up in Hartford, I'll do it 
probably just because if I really have, you know, like I feel like, all right, Ryan, what the fuck ever. But by and large, the real fight is when you sit in those meetings and you attend those and submit those public testimonies. And what people fail to realize, if you can't go up to Hartford to give a testimony in person, you could still participate by submitting it via, you know, electronically, by email, right? They have their little system, you could submit it. And that goes for everything, actually. That's what I'm thinking. Like, all these complaints, all these different things, you see what's happening with all these different situations. You don't, you know, you can't make it to the meeting. That doesn't mean you can't have an impact. You could still write a letter. You could still say how you feel, but do something. We have to do something because like Malcolm said, if we sit here and we ignore these political tricks, the young people, you know, they will have no choice but to address it. What do you think? Also, like I said, we have elected officials that's supposed to go up there for. Look at Greenwich. You don't see no rich people up there going up to Hartford. That person that's representing that district automatically knows what to do. That's a fact. That's a fact. That is a fact. No, you're absolutely correct. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, we could still and we must hold them accountable. Because that's another thing with those areas, right? You don't hear about the people in Windsor complaining about their legislator. You know why? Because they hold the fuckers accountable. They invite them over for lunch. They go with to where they're at. Don't think they don't do that because they do it. But why aren't why aren't we doing it? Right? Why aren't we doing it? Manny, what you have to say on that? Talk for Gen Z. No, you're absolutely right. Again, as I as I keep saying over and over again, holding elected officials accountable. I mean, it's like no, let me not say. I was gonna say if I could get it tattooed on my forehead, but no, that's not a good look. <laughs> but um, geez, it's like I can't emphasize that point enough. Over the years as I've been doing this, I always say hold elected officials accountable because that's the only way that is the only way that we are going to actually have results from them i I, again people complain and complain and complain and complain you know about this elected official and they're not doing this well i wonder why what are you doing to hold them accountable nothing okay then so then why are you complaining it's like you have to you have to hold the elected official accountable yeah you vote them in okay that was step one Right, you believed them and and them enough to vote them in, okay, great. But now that they're voted in, things are not done. They they now work for you. You have to understand that they work for you. That's so, right. They're not they're it, not giving you a W nine. You're not working right, so for it's, them. It's so like, you gotta you can't just vote them in and just leave them there. Cause see, this is why people like Ron DeSantis still have a platform. These people are problematic. This is why people like Candace Owens think that they're doing us a favor and they're not. I mean, right, Manny? Are they doing us any favor? No, no, not at all, right? It's like, that's, that's why, you know, I, I keep saying to myself, 
right? As I as I just observe how elected officials um, conduct themselves and and the relationship or or really the the lack of relationship that they have with their constituents, right? I, I just keep telling myself, listen, I'm gonna you know when I become an elected official, I feel like my constituents are gonna get tired of seeing me, right? They're like, oh, this guy again, you know, trying to talk to us because yes. Because I work for you, right? I'm not gonna do anything without your input. Listen, I'd be the type of one like, okay, uh, uh, you know, making calls to everyone, saying, all right, I'm gonna be, um, you know, uh, in Chapel Street Park uh, today from one to four. Come over, right? And if people don't come over, well, then I'm gonna start going to your houses. I'm gonna knock on your door and stuff, right? All right, here I am. Now, come on, tell me what's going on. Tell me what you think. To, you know, here's what's going on you know the legislative session here's what problems are happening what do you think i should do about it? like that's the type of relationship you should be having you know with your elected official right is where yeah they're making decisions with your input right with you know what reflects the general consensus of the constituents right they shouldn't be you know you shouldn't ever have to be in a position where you don't know what decisions your elected official is making or you don't know why they're making those decisions. No, no, and that's the problem. That's that's the difference, like you said, between Windsor and, you know, and another city who doesn't have that type of, you know, um, ability to hold uh, their elected official accountable, right? It's like, no, that, that needs needs to happen. very well put very 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 well because you know this is why we're doing what we're doing this is why we're having this conversation because this is some serious shit, right fascism has been historically and is still now a problem we have people still you know worshiping a fucking statue of a person who should really be recognized as an honorary asshole he invented slavery why aren't you giving him credit for that? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. <laughs> okay. Nobody want to answer that question. How come white people don't take credit for that? Why don't they take credit for slavery? Jeez. Jeez. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the answer is just right there in the open, you know, uh, the same reason why people refuse to accept the fact that Columbus was a mass murderer, right? It's like, oh, no, well, maybe just, it's, I, I swear I've heard this sometimes. I've literally been in a room where they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe he killed a little bit of people. What? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, no, I'm saying there's, there's always, there's so many more individuals right that have done really great things and you know that are worthy of having holidays after them and we choose this guy well because we've grown used to our pain being amplified rather than our prosperity so see for that reason you know we were groomed and nurtured to live in pain and that's why it's so hard for us to not only see success, but allow and empower others like us to be successful. 
because we're not supposed to do that. Except the day we wake up and realize our power and recognize we're past due that and more, we'll be fucking with some shit, don't you think? Right? But we have to wake up and want that for ourselves. And this is why these conversations matter. And more so, why having Gen Z, example, Manny, in the conversation, right? Look at what this guy said tonight. I mean, come on. There's a lot that we could learn from each other. But we have to create that space. And stop letting, stop letting white people get credit for having these conversations. That's another reason why this is important. Because you see, when white people sit down and they talk about shit, like they'll go sit down and they'll say, oh, yeah, today, today we're going to talk about, I don't know, we're going to talk about um, physics. And they'll sit down and they'll break it all the day, the way down like a dime bag. And then they'll give themselves credit. Oh, look at us. We just found out an eco-friendly way to do blah, 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 blah. But they don't talk about the part where they invited us at the table. You know, they're doing that with healthcare right now. There's a lot of healthcare stuff happening and conversations we're excluded from, just like we're excluded from the conversation when it comes to housing. The truth of the matter is, as uh, Three Fifths and I had discussed earlier, you all need to realize something. While we're dealing with a housing problem, did you know that we should really be building less buildings? Climate change is a real thing, and that's something else we're going to be talking about soon. Before we close out tonight, Three Fifths, any as always, Generation One took up the mantle, and we got the leader right now on this on this pod. We sure as hell do. Speaking of young leader, close. As always, I'm so so very appreciative and grateful for the support and and extremely kind words. As always, um, I guess I always means much more than you'll ever know, um, but. As is as always, people, please, 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 um, if at the very least, if you do anything, have an open mind, right? Um, I know that things like Columbus Day, right, have been passed down, the narrative of it has been passed down for generations, right? We're all used to hearing the same story, and so we become set in our ways when we view it. But I think one valuable lesson that we all must know is that no matter how old you get, how many years or experience you have with any certain thing, uh, if there's one thing we must never lose is the ability to have an open mind, right? To always be open to the fact that we don't know everything. And there's always, always a chance to know something else, to know a different perspective, a different side to the story, right? So always have an open mind. It really is one of the most valuable lessons you can have in life. And with that, uh, I always say you have the ability to accomplish such amazing, amazing accolades, achievements, and changes. Uh, each and every single one of us have the potential. It all takes for encouragement. As I always say, this is why I emphasize the unity amongst each other. Encouragement goes a long way. Support just as much. Um, but you have the ability to do it. There'll be people like me, three fifths, CJ, and so many amazing other individuals there on the front lines, right? Doing whatever we can. Uh, you're more than welcome to join us 
or done us in any capacity that you can. But as for me, as always, you'll see me on the front lines getting on someone's nerve. It's the way I've done things. It's the way I'll continue to do things. And just wait. One day, one day I'll be an elected official and deliver those policy changes that we need to make. That's right, Manny. That's why we call him the young leader, because he is. And he's not the only one. But we won't see them and find them if we don't give them the space to be there. And what we have to realize as black and brown people, we cannot wait for the white people to liberate us. Well, we can't thank you all enough. Uh, for your continued support and encouragement. Manny, three-fifths, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have this very important conversation, one of many more we're going to be having because we're vested in this, and we hope that you continue to support, like, share, subscribe. We truly, truly appreciate it. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on, peace. See